Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you. Welcome today. Glad you're here. Thanks for uh, being here and making this part of your weekend. I want to welcome all of our campuses. Thank you for being here as well. I see you guys in Pensacola and Lima and Nassau and uh, who, am I, who am I forgetting? Oh, yes, my lovely friends in Hallandale Beach. Welcome. Also online, glad you're here as well. You can take notes today clicking the little tab at the top of the page. I want to invite you as we're getting started today to take out that little insert you received when you came in. And as you're doing that, I want to introduce myself. My name is Brian Vassell. I'm one of your pastors, and I'm excited to be here and glad that you're here. Thanks for down here in South Florida anyway. It's a little rainy. So thanks for braving the rain and, uh, and, and coming out. Well, I want to just, it's my heart always to give you something today that you didn't have when you came in. So take some notes today. All of our campuses, write some stuff down. Before we get started, though, I want to bring your attention to a couple of cool things coming up here at Potential Church. The first of which is this. Coming up November the 10th, we're going to be doing a mission trip down to Lima. And uh, it's exciting because our Lima campus is launching a second campus down there. And we, that's awesome, isn't it? Cool. Way to go, Lima. Awesome. And uh, we'd love you to be a part of that, to get that campus ready to go. And we're going to do a mission, some missions work down there. want to encourage you, if you want more information about our Lima missions trip, uh, talk to our folks out there at the guest services table. They can help you uh, organize that. Secondly, uh, if you haven't heard yet, Pastor Troy is doing a Bible study on the book of Romans. And it's going to be, I've been talking to him about this. He is so excited about this Bible study. It's on Wednesday nights for 10 weeks, starting on September the 14th. So it's coming up. I know this. If you don't put it on your calendar now, you'll forget. All right? So before you leave today, not right now, don't, don't, don't do it now. I want to keep, keep you with me. But write it down quickly because I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing. He gave me some special instructions. He wants me to let you know that it's going to be 7.30 here at Cooper City, 6.30 uh, if you're in the central time zone. And also to bring your what? Bring your Bible. Right? Bring your Bible. Uh, bring a book Bible. If you have a digital copy, that's fine too. But make sure you're ready. We're going to study the book of Romans. I'm going to give you some homework. Can I do that? Read Romans. Make sense? All right. We're going to, to and become prepared for that. It's just the teacher in me has to give you, has to give you some homework. It's going to be a great study. And of course, fall kickoff is next weekend. Are you excited? You should be. We've been, the team has been doing all kinds of cool stuff. Some of it I know what's going on. Sometimes I open a door and they're dancing in a room and I'm like, what's going on in here? And it's going to be fantastic. You want to be here. Make sure you grab some invite cards on your way out today. All of our campuses, there's still time. And one invite can change somebody's entire life. It certainly changed mine. I, I, was, I was invited here a long time ago, over 20 years ago, and it changed my life forever. So you never know when you put an invite in somebody's hand what it could do. So those are some cool things coming up. And as we, this week we're going to wrap up our series called Hope. Hopefully you've caught most of this. Uh, if you have it, you can get it on our app and catch the other parts. But uh, talking about kind of getting our hearts ready for fall kickoff, but what's coming up in life? What is, how do we have hope? Because we live in an age where hope is not necessarily the most uh, easy commodity to come by. Now, uh, today's teaching is for a very select group of people, all right? It's for a very select group of people. See if you fit into this, this group. If you ever found yourself worrying about money, you're in that group. If you've ever argued with somebody about money, you're in that group. If you've ever w paid one credit card with another, you're in that group, okay? There's a couple more. Um, let's see. If you have no idea how much you owe. Oh, here's the one. If you enjoy retail therapy, you know what that is? Had a rough day. Let's go to the mall and buy myself something to feel good. That's retail therapy. You're in that group, okay? Now, if you don't fill these criteria, maybe you know somebody who does. And this would be good information to write down and take to them and be able to help them through. Today, we're going to talk about something. We're going to talk about money. Now, money's one of those things you're saying, oh, here we go. I knew I came the wrong weekend. You didn't. You came to the perfect weekend. This is the most practical teaching I've ever written. I've been teaching here for 17 years. This is the most practical teaching I've ever, ever been led to write. And I hope it helps you. 
Because I can tell you this, from the very beginning, God has been working on my heart this entire week as I've prepared to share some thoughts about money. There's some things you're going to be able to do right away with some of this information. Uh, Jesus talked about money a lot. He didn't shy away from it. In fact, out of the 38 parables that he shared in the Bible, 17 were about money, possessions, or wealth. That's a pretty high percentage. That, that seven time, he talked about money seven times more than prayer. He talked about it three times more than love and eight times more than what we believe. Money is important, but why? Why is money so important? To some of us, money represents opportunity, right? If you have money, you have choices. You have opportunity. You, have, you feel like we kind of use them like life points. If I have money, I'm doing well. If I don't, I'm struggling, right? But for some of us in the room today, all of our campuses, money is a source of great stress. It keeps you up at night. It's heartbreaking. It's hard to see people that you know succeeding with money and you're not doing well. And we compare ourselves to each other by income and wealth. Is there any hope for my finances? Is there any hope in my finances? That's the question we're going to answer today. Now, I have to warn you, today's teaching is a Sour Patch Kid teaching. You know what a Sour Patch Kid is? The commercial for Sour Patch Kids says, first it's what? First it's sour, then it's sweet. You all know what I'm Now, last time I taught, I used Snickers, and today I'm using Sour Patch Kids, so you kind of get this theme that I'm a sugar person, and I kind of am, I guess. But we're going to start off a little bit on the sour side. Now, what I'm about to tell you at the beginning, you're going to go, oh, this is, I don't want to hear this, right? But stay with me. Stay with me. All of our campuses, stay with me. I promise it will be sweet when it's over, okay? It's going to be a very encouraging teaching today about money. Here's the first thing. I think we've got to have, we got to talk about these kinds of things. The only way we're going to be able to have hope in our finances, I wrote down four things in your outline, and that's all that is. Number one, we have to help ourselves. Num- write that in, please. Help yourself. We've got to help ourselves. You ever dream about what it would be like to be independently wealthy? You ever have that dream, maybe your fantasies, you know, you're sitting on a beach someplace, maybe in a chair like this one. Let's see if I can sit in this chair. Ah, oh, it's nice. Ah, you put on your shades. Music appears from nowhere. You pick up your non-alcoholic because you're in church drink and you go, hmm, that is delightful. I hope that straw was clean. And of course, you're cooler. You know, you're you're independently wealthy. You're all, you know, your your finances are taken care. Of. You don't keep drinks in your cooler. You keep cold hard cash, just like this, and you make it rain on yourself. Uh, and you bask in your money. Oh, that would be the life, wouldn't it? Now, here's the deal. You can cut the music. This is gonna. This is not reality. Most of us are never gonna live like this. Why? Because all we do is sit and dream about our money getting better. And if we don't make changes in the way we're handling our finances now, we're never going to get here. we got to do something about it. we got to help ourselves. I hear so many times, I'm just, in fact, I put in your notes this way. Uh, Let's, before you get my my fill-in, look at this verse in Ecclesiastes. God talks about dreaming about things. Look what he says. Dreaming instead of doing is what? Foolishness. Underline that if you would. All of our campuses, put a little underline there. Dreaming without doing anything about it is strictly this. It's foolishness. we got to make some changes. It's nice to dream of this lifestyle. But look what it says. There's ruin in a flood of empty words. I wrote this in your notes. We've got to stop wishing our finances would improve. You can blow out the candle on a thousand birthday cakes wishing for your finances to improve. If you don't do something to change what you're currently doing, they're never going to improve. It doesn't work that way. You can't wish away debt. You can't hope that, oh, something is... Here's the second thing. We have to stop wanting someone or something else to bail us out. 
I, I talked to somebody the other day. They said, you know, I have $70,000 in debt. I hope I marry somebody rich. I'm thinking, I'm going to warn all my friends, right? Do you want to marry somebody with 70 grand in debt? I don't, right? I want me a sugar mama to take care of me. I want me a sugar daddy to take care of me. Somebody told me the other day, I hope I get in a car wreck. And I said, that's insane to say. Well, I hope I make it. I hope I'm okay. But I hope the car gets totaled because I'm going to sue them and that lawsuit is going to pay off my debt. And I'm like, no, no, no. I hope Jesus comes back for my student loans come due. That'd be nice. No. How about this one? Social security. I'll be good. Some of you, you're, you're claiming social security now. Being on a fixed income is hard, isn't it? But a lot of us are planning, ah, you know, someone will take it. Our government will take it off my shoulders. I don't need to make any changes. I'm, I'm good. We have to stop counting on somebody else to bail us out. Here's the last one. Stop waiting on a sign from God to start your financial comeback. If you're waiting on a sign from God, well, God will tell me when I need to change my spending. Guess what? This is your sign. Today, this message that you're sitting in these seats, you're here today. This is your sign that changes need to happen. I'm not God, but I represent him on the stage. It's time. It's time. It's time to start to stop wishing. It's time to start to stop wanting and hoping and, and maybe. And it's time to get serious about this. I hear a lot of people, they say, Pastor, I've tried to get better at this. I cut my Starbucks down from seven a week to four. I only bought one dress and I wanted to buy three. I only have 20 pairs of shoes. I used to have 30. And it, but it just seems like no matter what I try, all the doors keep closing. And I wrote this in your notes. Sometimes God closes doors because he knows it's the only way to get us to make changes. The doors we keep hitting into financially, a lot of us are like, you know what? I want, to, I want things to get better. I want to thrive financially. And, and we're saying, but I keep hitting a closed door. God is closing those doors. Do you know why he's doing that? Because you're not serious yet. We're slapping at it. Oh, I'll just cut back a little. God says, until you're completely sold out to my plan. And we're going to talk about God's plan for money in just a little bit. Until I'm completely on board with this, God's going to keep the doors closed. Because we want to do it on our own terms, don't we? I, only, I don't want to give up everything. I, I just want to give up a little bit. I don't want to be completely sold out, just a touch. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I wrote this in my notes too, that I got money on my jacket. Sometimes, sometimes it takes us hitting rock bottom before we get this message. For some of us, it takes claiming bankruptcy or going broke or having to make a, a loan from somebody in our family that we you know, didn't really... Those are hard conversations to have. But sometimes for us to get serious about our spending or our saving or our money plan, we have to hit the bottom. And God lets us do that. God lets us feel that because otherwise, you know, it's one of those lessons in life that we have to realize this is as bad as it could get before we realize we need to make some serious change. So, that's the first part. Here's the second part of the sour part of our teaching. The Sour Patch Kids, right? First it's sour, then it's sweet. Here's part two. We have to own up. We have to own up. Please fill that in all of our campuses. We have to own up. How many of you, show of hands, how many of you have had a physical in the last year? Raise your hand. It should be everybody, all right? If you haven't, it's time to go. Now, I'm not judging you because I hate them. Do you like physicals? I don't. I'm at the age now, I just turned 45. I'm at the age now where my physicals are a bit more thorough. That's the, that's the right church word. They're a bit more thorough than they used to be. And they're, they're scanning for things they never used to scan for before. These weird numbers they're pulling, and they're asking me for these weird acronyms and stuff. And they want to do, I don't like going to the doctor because I'm from the school of, if I don't know, I'm okay. As long as I don't know, I'm good. As long as I don't weigh myself, I'm skinny. Right? I'm from that school. And my wife's like, Brian, you've got to go. And I'm like, no, I don't have to go. I don't like to go. But I realize at some point I have to go find out how healthy I really am. 
I have to get an honest look at my health. How healthy am I, really? The Bible talks about evaluating ourselves honestly. Look at it in Romans 12, verse 3. It says, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. We've got to be honest with what we see. What do you really look like? Anybody ever, did you ever try on clothes in a, in a fitting room? The mirrors in a fitting room are from hell. Aren't they? For real. Because you bring in clothes, you think they're going to be great on you, and you put them on, and those 360-degree you know, mirrors or whatever they are, it's, they don't lie to you. They tell you a very sobering truth. They are a glass of cold water to the face about what you really look like. Sometimes, though, you got to see them. you got to stare at yourself, and you got to say, this is what I really look like. Because up here, I'm great. Now, with the same thing with our finances. In fact, I put this in your notes. You'll never know how far you have to go until you know where you are now. You've got to establish where you are now. Where are you now financially? When was the last time you looked at how much you owe in debt? When was the last time you set a budget? You know, you know in, in my house, my wife does the bills. It, it, it's kind of blister me because if I wanted to, I never would have to know. As long as we're still eating food and living in a house, I guess we're doing pretty good. But it's my responsibility to know. When was the last time I took a hard look at how much I'm taking in, how much I'm spending on interest, how many bills do we have to pay? Sometimes we have to take a hard look at where we are financially. So I put a little helpful quiz on your inserts, all of our campuses as well. There's a, there's a quiz there, and I want you to take this quiz honestly. You can shield it from your neighbor, but I want you to answer these questions. This will help you evaluate where you are with your money. Here's question one. My current financial status is I'm drowning, I'm treading water, I'm swimming, or I'm sailing. Which one? Again, don't look at your neighbor. If you're married, you can do these still independently. You don't need to cheat. Number two, my current stress level about money is, number one, I'm totally stressed out. I lose sleep over it. It makes me sick to think about it. Number 10, I'm good. All peace. Number three, I feel like I'm at the mercy of, you can check as many of these as applied. Are you, do you feel, ever feel at the mercy of your creditors? What if one of your loan people called their loan in? 100% of their loan, like your mortgage company or a big credit card that you owe. If they called in that, that loan, would you be ready for that? So do your creditors stress you out? How about your, your circumstances? You ever feel stressed out about circumstances before? Blow a tire, drill a tooth, things come up. I'm, I, they just makes, makes me scared. I don't have any money. I'm hoping that that, does, that stuff doesn't happen. And number three, my checks. You know, living paycheck to paycheck. And if a lot of, I read a survey one time that said that we're two paychecks away from being on the streets. That if we didn't get paid two pay cycles in a row, we'd all be in some pretty big trouble. Do you feel at the mercy of the checks that have to come in every week to keep you afloat? Here's the last question. I am prepared for, large, for a large unforeseen expense, yes or no? Now, I'm a parent of a high school senior. Anybody else in here with me? Ever been a parent of a high school senior? All of our campuses, I see those hands, Alando Beach, right? It's expensive to be the parent of a high school senior, and your kids never tell you when you need money ahead of time, do they? I get woke up from a nap. Dad, tomorrow I need 80 bucks to buy a senior parking space. Well, let's go back to the money tree in the backyard and pull down 420s. We're good, right? Are you ready for a large unforeseen expense? I, I had a, a, a tooth pain. I thought, oh, no problem. Cavity drill. Nope. Root canal, crown lengthening, and a permanent crown to the tune of $2,000 plus. Was I ready for that? Did I expect it? No. Are you ready for a large unforeseen expense? You've got to, we've got to evaluate where we are. The problem is if we don't evaluate where we are, if we stay ignorant with our money, nothing's going to ever change or improve. 
So how do we find this hope? That's the sour part of our teaching. Let's go to the sweet stuff. Let's figure out, let's figure out a plan to recover and put hope in our finances. Here, here it is. Plan ahead. We have to plan ahead. Please fill that in and stick to the plan. Anybody, anybody out here love payday? You love payday? Raise your, you should all raise your hand. If you have a job, yeah, that's awesome. We love payday. I see your hashtags when you get paid. Hashtag ballin', hashtag stacks, hashtag I got cash, hashtag this is awesome. And your, your hashtags a week later are so much more depressing. Hashtag broke, hashtag ramen noodles, right? I see them. I see them. We love payday. When I was growing up, I had a job at Publix. For those of you guys that aren't living in the States, Publix is a grocery store. And I bagged groceries. And you know how much I got paid? This is going to tell you how old I am. $3.15 an hour. That's how much I made. And I thought it was pretty good. That was minimum wage. And I'm bagging groceries. I had this super hot girlfriend. Did you know that super hot girlfriends are really expensive? Did you know they are? Even super hot boyfriends, I suppose, if you have one, they're expensive too. This was a super hot girlfriend. So I would get paid on Friday, and I would cash my check, and we would go out, we would go out to the movies, and I'd buy a large popcorn because I was rolling. I had the cooler money, right? And I'd, we'd go out for ice cream afterwards, and I'd pay for the movie ticket. And, of course, because it was across town, I had to stop by and get gas for my little car. And by the time Monday rolled around, I was what? Broke. You know what I learned? You can't spend money like that. If you don't have a plan for the money you have, guess what happens? It goes away, doesn't it? You've got to know where the money's going to go before you get it. Now, I, that's a hard lesson to learn. By the way, that hot girlfriend became my wife, so that's a pretty good investment, I thought, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 23 years is married. It's pretty cool. But, you know, my, here's, talking about a plan, my uncle used to take all of his bills. He never opened his bills. And he would take all of his bills and he'd throw them into a drawer. And he'd make my aunt go over there and pull out two envelopes a week, a uh, paycheck, two envelopes per paycheck. And they would pay those two bills. And when the creditors would call from the other people that didn't get paid, he would say, well, I don't know what to tell you. You, you didn't get picked this month. Maybe next month we might pay you. I, you might come up in the lottery. You know, might get drawn out of, the, out of the bill drawer. You might not. That's not a good plan. Don't do that. Right? We've got to have a plan for the money that we have. If we don't, we're going to find ourselves in trouble. Winston Churchill said it this way. I love this quote. Let our advanced worrying become advanced thinking and planning. We've got to have a plan. We can't just sit and worry. It's easy to worry about finances, but when you make a plan, it makes you feel better about where you're going. Now, I want to tell you something. You may not have guessed this or not. I am not a financial guru. I'm not a financial planner. I'm not a money expert. I don't even know how to make your money grow for you. I do know this. I know the Bible. And what we're about to talk about in this plan for our spending, to bring hope back to our finances, every syllable of it comes right from the heart of God. It comes right out of Scripture. Because my opinion doesn't matter at all. God's Word matters completely. So I want to talk to you about a plan that God has to be able to restore hope to your finances. It's called the 10-10-80 plan. First 10% of your income, we need to step in obediently. The first 10% of my checks, first 10% of your checks, we need to step in obediently. Here's what that means. Uh, this past Wednesday night, Pastor Troy talked about uh, Moses and Joshua. And uh, if you, by the way, if you missed Influence last Wednesday, you missed a tremendous teaching. If you ever hear about, if you ever do a midweek Wednesday night Influence, make sure you block out what you need to be here. It's awesome. Pastor Troy talked about the transfer of power between Moses and Joshua. And Joshua was leading the people of God through the desert. And uh, he, had, he was trying to lead them to the promised land. And in Joshua chapter 3, verse 15... We, we, we read a, a story about these priests. They were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Remember the Ark of the Covenant? Remember 1980, Raiders of the Lost Ark, the big gold box? It was a gold box that contained the fragments of the Ten Commandments and some other stuff. 
and it's kind of where God would dwell in between the angel wings on the, on, the, on, the, on the lid. So the priests are carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They're trying to get to the Promised Land. Joshua's leading the people. And they, God tells them, get to the edge of the River Jordan and stop. Now, the River Jordan at the time sounded a lot like what we're hearing right now. Here in South Florida, we hear raindrops over our heads. It was rushing water. The Jordan was overflowing its banks, Scripture tells us. And they had to get the Ark of the Covenant across the water. And God tells the priests, when you get to the edge of the water, put your foot in and the waters will part. Now put yourself in the head of the priests. You're carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the holiest of holy things to carry. And you've got to decide when you get to the edge of that Jordan River, do I trust God or not? Because if I, if I step into this water and the seas doesn't, don't part, what's going to happen? I'm going to get swept away and I'm going to be killed. Do I trust that God is good for his word? Do I trust that God is going to do what he says? Well, let's find out what happens straight from scripture. All right, it's in, the, it's in your outline, I think. Joshua 3, 15 and 16. It says, but as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water, the water above that point did what? Began backing up. God did it. The priest stepped in, the water parted, and God did it. Now, the, the God we serve today is the same God that made the waters part when the priests obeyed. So I, we, we can trust him. We can trust him. God says, here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to take the first 10% of your income. Malachi 3 tells us it's called a tithe. And I want you to give it back to the church. And we're like, but God, can I trust you? I mean, if I give tithe to the church, what? That's like taking a pay cut. I mean, what if, what if God, what if you're not good for your word? What if you don't come through? What if you don't? Because God says time and time again, if we follow his instruction, he blesses us, right? Now, I'm not saying he blesses us all the time with money. But he may bless us with our car starting in the morning or a roof over our heads or another day of breath. The question we have to ask with every paycheck that comes in, every time we earn income, do I trust God or not? The God who stopped the water for those priests that very easily could have, could have drowned. God did exactly what he said he was going to do. And time and time again in scripture, God comes through. Am I willing to trust God enough? Do I want to be obedient to God enough to tithe? Now, I know this. I've been doing this a long time. I have never, ever, ever argued somebody into tithing. I've never stood up here and somebody goes, yep, I'm going to start, ever. I do know this. It is a wrestling match you're going to have to have. I fought my wife for over a thousand days, three years, I fought my wife not wanting to do this. Because I said, you know, we can do a lot with a hundred, we, we were little teachers of little schools and didn't make a lot of cash. And we, I thought it was, it was economically foolish and impossible to tithe. But then I started to get it. We, we prayed together, my wife kept tithing and we kept praying together and finally I got it. They just said, all right, let's try it. Let's do it. And from that point on, I've never had a need go unmet. The same God who parted the seas for those priests it's the same God that when I'm obedient through my tithe, make sure that my needs are met. We can trust God. So that's his plan for the first 10%. Uh, that's how you re restore hope to your finances. And I, I wrote this in my notes. God always blesses obedience. Always. Always blesses obedience in his own way. I put a little, little chart there in your outline. It says obedience in the tithe leads to what? Leads to blessing. God says, I will bless you when you are obedient. That blessing leads to transformation. Not just transformation of our finances, but transformation of who we are when we realize we can trust God. And that transformation leads to everything that you and I want with our money, freedom. We want freedom. I'm not saying wealth. Wouldn't it be nice? Yeah, I'm in debt, but I'm in control. I'm making some steps moving forward. I'm experiencing some financial freedom. 
for the first time in my life. And I think it all starts, if we're going to have hope in our finances, this is the first step. You can't skip it. I believe this, that if we're going to succeed financially, it all starts with, are we willing to trust God and be obedient with the tithe? So that's the first 10%. Here's the second 10. We have to save for tomorrow. Save for tomorrow. Please fill that in. This is not in your notes, but it'll be up on the screens. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8. God says this. He says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. This scripture is saying, while there's time to gather, the ants are gathering food in the summer because winter's coming. Winter's on its way. In our lives, same thing. I hope and I pray with all my heart, all of our campuses, that we're healthy to keep working into our older ages. I pray that's the case. If you have a job now, God says in his word that we need to put some aside for the winter. To save. Very few of us have savings accounts. And what starts to happen is if we don't save money, we start treating credit cards like safety nets. I don't need a savings account. I have a high limit. We're going to talk about credit cards in a second. That's borrowing from future you, right? We can't treat credit cards like safety nets. We have to have money put aside to save. I read a stat the other day as I was researching. It says that on average, a 65-year-old American, I could not find it overseas, I apologize, but in the United States, a 65-year-old American has saved less than $250 in the bank on average. Now, let's say, for example, that 65-year-old started working at 25. That's 40 years of work. That means every single year they put away six bucks. Can you retire on 250 bucks in the bank? No, but we're hoping somehow when we get that old, we'll have, all, we'll have it all figured out. We've got to put aside money. Savings accounts are important. So first 10% to tithe, second 10% to savings. Here's the last 80%. Just whatever we want to spend it on, right? Whatever we want to do. Now, I've heard this preached so many times, 10, 10, 80, 10, 10, 80. And every time I hear it, they always say, well, if you're tithing and you're saving, you can do whatever you want with the other 80. I don't think that's true. Got to be smart with the other 80%. Got to be strategic. And I've I'll put some tips there in your outline that I think will help us as we move forward. First, first tip I have for what we have left after we save and tithe is this. Stop the bleeding and find the leaks. Stop the bleeding and find the leaks. What is it in your finances right now that's causing some bleeding? Is it retail therapy? Are there certain department store departments you should never be in? Right? Uh, what is it for you? Is it, is it a hobby you have? Maybe you own a boat. Right? What does boat stand for? Break out another thousand. Right? You own boats, you know. Boats testify. I don't have a boat. But that's, what is it? What's causing the bleeding in your, in, your, in your finances right now? And then stop the leaks. Here's what I mean by that. If you cut out Starbucks, a little thing, $5 a day, times five days a week, that's $25 a week, times four weeks, that's $100 a month in coffee, times 12, that's $1,200 a year in coffee. You got something else better you could spend 1200 bucks on? I think oftentimes it's not that we need to make more money, it's just we need, we need to do some better things with the money we already make. We have a 1,000 cable channels, and we watch how many? Four. Right? We have unlimited data plans on our phone because we think, well, maybe someday I'll need this, but you're under Wi-Fi all the time. Find the little leaks and plug them. Shop your cable out there. Find out if there's a better deal on satellite or vice versa. Or can you be a cord cutter and do other things? Figure out where you can save money. Because it's easy for me to say, get a second job. But, you know, the more money you make, what you're going to do is you're going to spend it to match it. Got to make decisions. Now, again, it's not a financial seminar. This comes right out of the Word. God says we have to be judicious about what we spend it on. Hebrews 10.26 says, Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we've received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these 
sins. Once we know the truth, we've got to cut out the behavior. What's leaking? What's bleeding out of your finances? Here's another tip. Spend only what you've already earned. Spend only what you've already earned. James 4.13 says this. Look here, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. What the scripture is saying is simply this. Do you know what tomorrow is going to hold? Do I, we don't. The answer, correct answer is no. Do you know what tomorrow is going to hold? I don't think I want to know what tomorrow is going to hold. But a lot of us, with our credit cards, we're spending on credit, hoping that we'll have money to pay for it in the future. That we'll all have the jobs we have right now. We run up high balances. And, and of course, then the banks want to help us out by extending our credit line. Oh, they love me. They gave me more. They gave you a longer rope, right? We can't borrow from future selves, right? We have to spend the money that we already have. I find it a lot of times we're, we're paying on credit for stuff that we've long sold at a garage sale or long broke or furniture we no longer sit on because it rotted through, but you're still paying for it. Vacations you took five, six, seven years ago. The rule of thumb is if you don't have cash for it, don't buy it. Or do this. Here's what somebody told me, and here's what I started to do. Think about the object in your hand, and think in the other hand, how much, like, visualize the cash it would take to buy this item. And ask yourself, which would I rather have, the item or the cash? If your answer is the cash, don't buy the item. Practical. Don't borrow from your future self. Spend money that you've already earned. Don't bank on tomorrow. Here's the last one. Seek contentment. Ecclesiastes 6.9. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is what? Meaningless, like chasing the wind. Don't spend the 80% left chasing the lifestyle that somebody else tells you you have to live. There is nothing you will buy, nothing, nothing you will buy, absolutely nothing from the Greek meaning zero that will make you feel as good as having no debt. Contentment. Paul said it time and time again in Scripture. I need to be content with what I have, whether it's a little or a lot. I need to be content with what I have. Now, I know this is really hard, but this is God's plan. This is what will bring hope to your finances. Tithe 10%, save 10%, live on the other 80%, but do it wisely. And watch those finances turn around. I put it this way in your notes. If you want freedom you've never had, you have to do something you've never done. This will take commitment and work on your part and on my part. All of our campuses we got to do what we have to do to make this happen. So, we have to help ourselves, own up to our reality, plan ahead. And here's the last one, and we're done. We have to expect God's involvement. Expect God's involvement. I want to tell you something, church. All of our campuses today, there is hope for your finances. Not because Pastor Brian says so, but because God says so. Now, I'm going to read you three promises to prove it. Here's the first one. God will provide for my needs. Please fill that in. God will provide for my needs. Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet what? Circle that. Be enthusiastic. My God will meet what? All. Pensacola. My God will meet what? All. Circle all. God will meet all my needs. How? What? Let's keep reading. According to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God will meet all of my needs. Not my wants, my needs. God will meet my needs. If I just stay true to his plan, if I'm obedient to God, God says, hey, you know what? It's a pleasure. I want to meet all your needs. Are you always going to be able to eat steak? No, sometimes you can't. It, the, the house you may live in, square footage, may not be where you want it to be. But God's met your needs because he keeps you dry when it rains. 
You serve a big God. God says, hey, I want you to make the effort. Try to do, do money my way. Do money with my plan. Tie 10, save 10, spend 80 wisely. I'm going to meet all your needs. God promises that. Here's the second thing he promises, that God will send partners to stand by my side. God will send partners to stand by my side. The scripture there, Proverbs 24, 6. It says, so don't go to war without wise guidance. Victory depends on having what? Many advisors. God's going to send people around you to help you do this. Isn't that cool? You don't have to do this alone with your finances. It's a lonely place to be. Because a lot of us already in this room today, all of us, are saying, I don't know that I can even do this. Pastor, you have no idea how, many, how much debt I owe or what I'm struggling with. I know this, that God's going to send people to partner with you. Now, just know this. As, as, our, as part of our staff, Pastor Troy, Pastor Steph, myself, we're going to be praying for you. Because I know when we hear conversations like this one, it's hard. We get convicted. We, get, we feel guilty. That's not what this is meant to be. We serve a God of hope. And God knows you're struggling. He knew you were going to struggle already. And he, we're going to be praying for you. But we, I want to I go a step further. I want to go a step further. Starting September the 11th at our Cooper City campus, right across the hallway in room 126, starting at 2.30, that's a Sunday afternoon, 2.30 p.m., we're launching a class called Financial Peace University. And what Financial Peace University is, it's if you're serious about this and you really want to get your finances together, and you really want to restore that hope that you can have, and you really want to pull out of the nosedive of debt, and you really want to find out some practical tools to help you do that, that's what that class is designed to be. It's nine weeks long. I want to encourage you to enroll. I want to encourage you to commit. Because here's the deal. If you don't do that, and you ignore everything I've said today, in 10 years, you're going to be in the exact same position you are now, or worse. Remember how we started? we got to do something. We can't just hope it happens. I want to encourage you, sign up for FPU. There's a card there in, your, in the back seat backs in front of you. You can fill that out. Just write the word FPU on the Connect card or right out front. Let us know you want to attend at our guest services desks at all of our campuses. We'd love to connect you to do that, okay? That's 2.30. That's nine weeks long, September the 11th. That's a Sunday afternoon, and we'd love to have you as a part of that, um, that class. And here's one final truth, and we're done. God, he, he's, he's going to be present with us when we struggle. God will be with us when we struggle. Now, I know, church, I know maybe this has not been the best financial year. And I know you feel like I've, I have more month than money, and I'm really struggling, and this is hard, and this is unrealistic, and you're here, you're, all this doubt's coming in, and I know. Because trust me, when I got this topic, and Pastor Troy said, I want you to talk about finances and hope, the first person I looked at was the mirror. I looked at myself. Brian, where are your finances? Are you tithing? Are you saving? Are you spending wisely? Do you have a clear picture of where you are? And I know the way I felt when I did that. So I know when we take this, it's gonna be so easy to throw it in the glove compartment and go home and say, well, I'm just gonna keep doing what I do. For some of us, finances just eat us alive. They stress us out, they give us headaches. We feel like just giving up. God says, not only do I hear your cries, I'm going to be with you. Scripture says in Deuteronomy 31.6, this is one of those verses I put in all my outlines. It's one of my life verses. I want to share it with you. It says, be strong and courageous. It doesn't say be wealthy. It doesn't say be powerful. It doesn't say be joyful. It says, be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God will what? Personally go ahead of you. God will neither fail you 
nor abandon you. God has a plan for us, for our finances. Tithe 10, save 10, live smart with the other 80%. And when we do those things, God says, I'm never going to leave you on your own. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you. When you pray, I hear you cry out over money. I want to partner together with you. I want you to feel my presence. I love you so much, I will never leave you. I don't, God doesn't care what your bank balance is. God wants your heart. Are you willing to say, God, I've, I've done finances my own way for a long time. I need to start doing them yours. I want to step into that water and watch the seas part. God, I want you to take over. Lead me financially. Help me restore the hope, Father, that you promise in your word you will. Now, I know this. We face a very interesting and dangerous adversary called the devil. And the devil absolutely loves the fact that you're in debt. He loves the fact that money makes you lose sleep. He loves the fact that you don't want to talk about it or hear about it. He loves that stuff. And the devil's number one question that he will give you is, what if? What if you tithe and need that money? What if you can't trust God? What if God doesn't care? What if you get to the middle of this plan and God abandons you? Let me tell you, Scripture calls the devil one word, a liar. The devil is a liar. God will never leave you. He will never abandon you. He will be with you through this financial challenge. I put this in your notes. Please fill it in. Don't let the fear of the enemy's what if replace the truth of what is. Here's what is. My all-time favorite verse, Philippians 4.13. Here's what is. Not what your bank tells you what is. Not what your credit balances tell you what is. Not what your spouse tells you what is. Here's what is. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Church, you can do this. You got to start. Take baby steps. Do what you need to do. Talk to your spouse about this. If they're not here today, especially do this, not through your own power, but through Christ, who gives you strength. I promise there's hope for your finances, but more important than my promise, God promises he'll be with you every step of the way. Let's make some changes and get the freedom that we're after. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We are just blown away your generosity, your grace, your mercy. Father, I pray for each and every person here. I know, God, that money is one of those topics that we hear about and we cringe a little bit because we know, God, we've either been doing this so right and taking all the credit for it, which we know we shouldn't, or, Father, we struggle. We've been trying to do finances our own way, and, God, it's been so hard. I pray for each person here, all of our campuses today, God, that you would help nudge them in one of these directions, Father. You would remind them of what you need them to do and for me to do help us have the strength and perseverance to do it. We commit everything we understand about our finances to you. Help us, Father, be with us, Father, and restore the hope in this area of our lives. We love you. We give you the praise and the glory for the breakthrough that we claim right now. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand today if we could.